Why do we believe Our Lady is our Queen? By Father Daniel Couture. In what sense is Mary our Queen? Is it just metaphorical? Can you defend her queenship from Scripture, the Fathers, Councils, Popes, and Saints? For it is deeply rooted in Catholic tradition. And how does her queenship differ from Christ's kingship? All this and more is addressed by Father in this 26th episode of the Fatima Center series, No Mary, No Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Salve Regina. We continue our series of talks on Our Lady, this time in this historical chapel of the Center of St. Joseph in Saint-Césaire, near Montreal. This chapel, which was, by the way, a prelude, an ancestor to the famous St. Joseph Oratory in Montreal. We're going to continue the study of Our Lady using the masterwork of Father Garigou Lagrange, Our Lady, Mother of the Savior in our interior life. And having seen the various titles of Our Lady, especially Our Lady, Mother of God, Our Lady, Full of Grace, Our Lady, Mediatrix of Grace, and Our Lady, Mother of Mercy, Father Garigou Lagrange continues naturally to another title which is very dear to our heart, which is that of Queen, Our Lady, Our Queen. In the language of the Church, both in the liturgy and in her universal preaching, Our Lady is not just a mother. She's not just the mediatrix of graces, but she's queen, queen of all men, queen of the angels, queen of the universe. So we need to understand, and that will be what we'll try to do in this first talk, on the queenship of Our Lady, we need to understand in what sense is she our queen? Is it in in a metaphorical sense, like some cities or villages will have special feasts and they will have the queen of the day? Or is it in a true sense? Is it a true theological sense that she is our queen? There's so much to say about the queenship of Our Lady that we will divide our talks in two. This first one will be on the queenship in general. And then in a second talk, we will look at how this queenship is uh, manifested. How does Our Lady exercise that queenship over angels and men? We are fortunate to have on this title of Our Lady an encyclical of Pope Pius XII, He wrote this at the end of the Marian year, on October 11th, 1954. And I will quote from it because it's the Church speaking through this great Pope. And we have, so our faith, we also have the the expression of all of tradition. And you will see he makes it very clear throughout the whole encyclical. And also this, This whole title of Our Lady Queen is very important today. You will see as we hear Pope Pius XII, we'll see how a a pope 
and popes in the, in the past, in times of crisis, they found the right solutions. They did not seek human solution, natural solution. But they knew very well that our help is in the name of the Lord and in the name of his mother. Let me read to you the very first lines of that encyclical, Adicheli Reginam, of Pope Pius XII. From the earliest ages of the Catholic Church, a Christian people, whether in time of triumph or more especially in time of crisis, has addressed prayers of petitions and hymns of praise and veneration to the Queen of Heaven, and never has hope wavered which they placed in the mother of the divine King, Jesus Christ. Nor has that faith ever failed by which we are taught that Mary, the Virgin Mother of God, reigns with a mother's solicitude over the entire world, just as she is crowned in heavenly blessedness with the glory of a queen. So the encyclical begins like the memorare. In time of crisis, with the last 1900 years, the faithful of the church have turned to her with great hope and confidence. The Pope continues, following upon the frightful calamities which before our very eyes have reduced flourishing cities, towns, and villages to ruins, we see to our sorrow that many great moral evils are being spread abroad in what may be described as a violent flood. The Pope writes in 1954, after the Second World War, and the restoration after the war was very, very difficult. But what he says applies to us today, of course. Occasionally, we behold justice giving way, and on the one hand and the other, the victory of the powers of corruption. The threat of this fearful crisis fills us with great anguish. And so with confidence, we have recourse to Mary, our Queen, making known to her those sentiments of filial reverence, which are not ours alone, but which belong to all those who glory in the name of Christians. Here's a, the reaction of a, a Pope who understands that he's the vicar of Christ. And Christ honored his mother. Christ wanted to be born in Bethlehem, and his first throne was the arms and the heart of his mother. It's interesting to see how the Pope is reacting like, like the prophets in the Old Testament were asking the kings and the people among the Jews to react, to turn to God. The temptation which we read, especially before the fall of Jerusalem, but we see many times in the history of the Jewish people, is that kings and, and rulers would turn to their neighboring nations, neighboring powers for help and not turning to God, as if the supernatural help could come from natural means. Pope Pius XII understood very well. The whole encyclical will be a laying the foundation of that truth, of that doctrine. Why do we believe that Our Lady is our Queen? And the Pope is speaking like a Catholic, obviously, relying on tradition. 
Because our faith is what has been believed at all times, by all people, everywhere. That is the, the acid test of a Catholic truth. And so, he will begin with the fathers, both of the East and of the West. They referred frequently to Mary as Domina, Regina, Regina Nostre Salutis. So, Our Lady, the word Domina is the feminine of Dominus. It's the lady, but the lady, the lady of the house, the first lady of the nation. It's the lady. She has power. She's Regina. She's our queen. And she's the queen of our salvation. So all these words are loaded with meanings. Let me give you some, some of the foundations to show that this belief that Our Lady is our Queen has been there all the time. The Pope begins with the Annunciation, and then he will continue throughout the centuries with different fathers of the Church and with the Popes and with the liturgy and with the art. From early times, Pius XII says, Christians have believed, and not without reason, that she of whom was born the Son of the Most High received privileges of grace above all other beings created by God. He will reign in the house of Jacob forever. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when Christians have turned to Our Lady, she turned to the one who is the Mother of the Lord of Lords. They reflected upon the intimate connection that obtains between a mother and a son. And they readily acknowledged the supreme royal dignity of the mother of God. So she's the mother of the king. And as Elizabeth will say, how come the mother of my Lord has come to me? And Lord here, the mother of my Lord is, is the domina. And Pius XII then begins a list of fathers of the church, both from the east and from the west. St. Ephraim, St. Gregory of Nazianzen. He calls Mary the mother of the king of the universe, the virgin mother who brought forth the king of the whole world. And then St. Jerome, who had studied all these various Semitic languages, Chaldean, Hebrew, Aramaic. He says, we should realize that Mary means lady, in the Syrian language. Lady in the sense of domina. And this is what St. Peter Chrysologus also says. The Hebrew word Mary means domina. So when the angels greeted her as a lady, hail, full of grace, and when the angel mentioned this word, it's a title. It's not just madame. It's a lady. She's a queen. She was born to be this lady. And then he continues with St. Epiphanius, St. Andrew of Crete, who attributes the dignity of a queen to the Virgin Mary. He says, in one of his sermons, St. Andrew of Crete, today he transports from her earthly dwelling as queen of the human race, his ever virgin mother, from whose womb he, the living God, took on human form. They all repeat the same thing. It's clear. If Jesus is our king, the king of kings, the son of God, our creator, 
his mother will share in a subordinate way, but she will share that kingship. St. John Damascene calls her queen, ruler, and lady, the queen of every creature. It comes again. All these saints, they quote one another. And it goes back to the earliest apostolic times. That's how we know something is Catholic. This continuity, this traditional teaching, but also in Eodem Sententia, in the same words, in the same sentences. Then Pope Pius XII, after quoting scripture and the fathers of the church, he will mention the theologians, the great theologians of the Middle Ages. They all say the same thing. Then he quotes the popes. Then the whole list of popes. Martin I, Gregory II, who said in the Second Ecumenical Council, he called Our Lady the Queen of all, the true Mother of God, and the Queen of all Christians. So this is language of the Pope. They knew they had to turn to her for help. Pope Benedict XIV, now we're up in the 1700s, called her the Queen of Heaven and Earth. And he says, the Sovereign King has in some way communicated to her his ruling power. St. Alphonsus, who was there about at that time, at the same time as Benedict XIV, St. Alphonsus, in his great book, The Glory of Mary, where he comments on these various titles of Our Lady, he summarizes all of tradition, saying, because the Virgin Mary was raised to such a lofty dignity as to be the mother of the King of Kings, it is deservedly and by every right that the Church has honored her with the title of Queen. So we have this faith, and this faith has gone through centuries, worldwide, everywhere where the Catholic faith was taught, where people were baptized, and they adored our Lord, and they honored his mother as the queen. And as the saying goes, lex orandi, lex credendi, and lex credendi, lex orandi, we pray as we believe, and so this faith in the queenship of Our Lady will be expressed in the liturgy, in the various prayers that we use at Mass. And Pope Pius XII will go and take some examples of liturgies from the East and from the West to show that it is universal, that it is truly Catholic. And one of the Eastern liturgies says, O Mother of God, today thou art carried into heaven on the chariots of the cherubim, the seraphim wait upon thee, and the ranks of the heavenly army bow before thee. She is the queen, the queen of angels. An Ethiopic missile from Ethiopia, Catholic missile in Ethiopia. O Mary, center of the whole world, thou art greater than the many-eyed cherubim and the six-winged seraphim. Heaven and earth are filled with the sanctity of thy glory. And in the Latin liturgy, we sing constantly that title, that prerogative that she has, Salve Regina, Hail Holy Queen, Hail Queen of Heaven, Regina Cedi Leitare, Alleluia, we sing at Easter. And many times in the liturgy, whenever we have a feast of Our Lady, we will quote, Psalm 44, the queen stood at thy right hand in golden vestures surrounded with beauty. 
and on the Feast of the Assumption. Today the Virgin Mary ascends into heaven. Rejoice because she reigns with Christ forever. We are all familiar with the litany of Loreto, the litany of Our Lady, where we have three major parts in the litany. Mothers, there's a whole description of her motherhood. There's a section about her virginity with other titles. And then the last section of the litany is her queenship. We will see that in detail in the second part. But it's there. It's there in our prayer, in the liturgy, but also in our daily prayer. In the rosary, it's the fifth glorious mystery. That's a mystery which Our Lady herself gave to St. Dominic. Let us not forget that. And Pius XII adds one more ground, traditional ground for this devotion to Our Lady's queenship is the art in the paintings, statues being crowned in 1954, the year of this encyclical, throughout the world in so many Marian shrines around the world, crowns came from Rome, blessed by the Pope, and the Pope's legate crowned statues of Our Lady, and in so many countries, including Fatima, of course. The Pope ends that first part of the encyclical by summarizing everything he has said, that it is traditional. It is the teaching of Scripture, the teaching of the Fathers, the teaching of the Popes, of the theologians, of the Council. Throughout all the centuries, Catholics have always believed that title of Our Lady. The theologians add, and the Pope will develop in the second part, that if Our Lady is Queen, it's for the same reason that our Lord is King. And Pope Pius XI, in his beautiful, solemn encyclical on Christ the King, Quas Primas, in 1925, he recalls the three foundations, the three reasons of our Lord's kingship. Our Lord is King because he is God. He is King because he is God-made man by the apostatic union. And he is King by conquest. He won He conquered us. We belong to him by his blood. You have not been redeemed by gold or silver, St. Peter will say, but by the blood of the Immaculate Lamb of God. And so, Our Lady is Queen for the same reasons. She is so united to our Lord. She is Queen. She's not God. But she has a very special relation with God the Father. As we have seen in another talk, she alone with God the Father, can say to Jesus, my son. There's a special relation and a special love. God the Father has put in her immaculate heart that love, as Jesus said at the Last Supper, that the love with which you have loved me be in them. Well, the number one of the list was his own mother. So Our Lady loved Jesus with the love of the Holy Ghost her spouse. So, her relation with the Trinity is, gives her this royal title. Her relation with our Lord made man. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the three wise men found the child and the mother. The child in the arms of the mother. She was the first throne. And 
Our Lord will say, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He has given me the nations as my inheritance. Well, if our Lord owns the world by his incarnation, the queen stood at the right hand of the king in gilded vestments. And thirdly, our Lord is king by conquest, so our lady is queen also by being the co-redemptrix, by her association with the passion and the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. She has been associated to our Lord in his victory over the devil, over sin, over death, for sure. As St. Pius X said in his encyclical on Our Lady in 1904. By the way, notice the link, the Pope, they tie themselves with their predecessors. 1854 was the Immaculate Conception, the proclamation of the dogma. 1904, St. Pius X will write an encyclical commemorating the, the Golden Jubilee of that proclamation, which gave great peace to the world, great joy. Now we're 1954, so a hundred years from the definition of the Immaculate Conception. And on this occasion, Pope Pius XII will write this beautiful encyclical. So she is associated with our Lord in a unique way. St. Pius X will say that everything our Lord has merited in strict justice, de continuo, as the theologians say, Our Lady has also merited, but in charity, by her union with Him. Every grace, Jesus merited. This is very, very powerful. St. Jerome will say that all the grace that is in Christ is also in Mary, but in a different way. He is the source, but she is next to the source. And everything coming out of the source goes in her immaculate heart, and from there goes into the whole world to irrigate the whole world. One beautiful image of the queenship of Our Lady in Scripture. Remember, we have to look at Scripture with the Catholic eyes, with the eyes of tradition, not just in the spiritual, in the literal sense, the story that happened, but in the spiritual sense. And the Father's of the church and the liturgy constantly draw out of that treasure old things and new things. And old things are these figures, these women concerning Our Lady, these prophecies concerning her. And speaking of the queenship of Mary, we cannot not talk of Esther, Queen Esther. The book of Esther, chapter 2. Remember, it's very interesting too, because the king was already married. And the king asked something from the queen, Vasti, and she disobeyed. And the king rejected her. And then they brought all beautiful virgins for the king to choose. And chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to the word. It's, it's, we find this in the Hail Mary. And the king loved her more than all the women. And she had favor and kindness before him above all the women. And he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vasti. As we sing in the Ave Maristella, Mutant Eve Nomen. 
Instead of saying Eva, we say Ave. She took the place of Eve as our mother. And interesting detail that scripture tells us. The king commanded a magnificent feast to be prepared for all the princes and for his servants on the occasion of the marriage and the wedding of Easter. And he gave rest to all the provinces and bestowed gifts according to the princely magnificence. So, the king ordered a universal peace in his empire because of the wedding, the crowning of Esther. Our Lady at Fatima, she made it very, very clear, if you remember these words, continue to say the rosary every day in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war, for only she can help you. Interesting. At the crowning of this queen, there was peace in the kingdom. And it is clear that Pope Pius XII proclaimed Our Lady Queen with this encyclical because he wanted peace on earth. Let us conclude this first part. Our Lord is King, and Pius XI in the encyclical that I have just mentioned explained that kingship. Our Lord can make laws. He has legislative power. He can judge if we follow the laws. That is judiciary power. And he has executive power. Then he can execute the sentence by rewarding or by punishing the the executive power. Our Lady is queen, but there here there's a little difference between the kingship of our Lord and the queenship of Mary. Let's go back to the story of Esther to understand this. Recall the story of Esther. The prime minister, Amman, wants to destroy all the Jews. And Esther's uncle, Mardukai, who's at the door of the palace, urges Esther to go and talk to the king and save her people. And so Esther organizes a feast and she invites, well, the, she wants the king and Amman, the prime minister, and then in front of the king, she will accuse, he wants my death and the death of my people. And she saves her people. Chapter 7 of Esther. So we are here the day of the banquet. So the king and Amman went in to drink with the queen. Verse 2. And the king said to her again, the second day, after he was warm with wine, What is thy petition, Esther? That it may be granted thee. And what wilt thou have done? Although thou ask the half of my kingdom, thou shalt have it. The half of my kingdom. That is something we have to understand. In Latin it's regnum. Half of the regnum. The regnum in Greek is basileus, basilei, basileia. But it's not the geographical domain Here, the commentators say, it's the authority, the royal authority, the majesty of the throne, the sovereignty. And so, applied to Our Lady, these words mean that God, who has all power, and he rules everything, 
with his justice and his mercy, he encompasses the whole world. He reaches all ends of the world. Fortiter, suaviter, adque fortiter, with mercy and with justice. Well, our Lord, who is almighty in justice, he is also almighty in mercy. There's no sin that he cannot not forgive if we ask forgiveness. And so, of these two powers that he, have, he has in, in fullness, he only gives mercy to Our Lady. He gave half of his power. The power on his own heart. He has entrusted in her hands all his mercy. She is not in charge of rendering justice. He keeps that for himself. She is the mother of mercy, the queen of mercy. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia. No one can turn to her and find himself refused. She will obtain mercy before even she asks the reason why we are kneeling at her feet. She, the fire cannot not burn. But Our Lady cannot not do mercy when somebody just looks at her, asks for her help. She is the mother of mercy. And so let me conclude with the words of Pius XII. Important words today. Important words, as you will see. So, he summarizes the encyclical. Paragraph 46. From the ancient Christian documents, from prayers of the liturgy, and from the innit piety of the Christian people, from works of art, from every side, we have gathered witnesses to the royal dignity of the Virgin Mother of God. We have likewise shown that the arguments deduced from sacred theology, from the treasure store of the faith, fully confirms this. Such a wealth of witnesses makes up a resounding chorus which changes the sublimity of the royal dignity of the Mother of God and men, to whom every creature is subject, who is exalted to the heavenly throne above the choir of angels. The Pope continues, and this will be the consequence of this encyclical and of this Marian year. Since we are convinced, after long and serious reflection, that great good will accrue to the Church if this solidly established truth shines forth more clearly to all, like a luminous lamp raised aloft, by our apostolic authority we decree and establish the feast of Mary's Queenship which is to be celebrated every year in the whole world on the 31st of May. We likewise ordain that on the same day the consecration of the human race to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary be renewed, cherishing the hope that through such consecration a new era may begin, joyous in Christian peace and in the triumph of religion. So that is the, the purpose of the Pope to highlight, to crown, to shine, to bring more and more brightness, more glory on the mother of the Lord. Remember in her Magnificat, she says, all nations shall call me blessed. That's what the Pope wants to do, 1954, until this very day. And so he, say, he knows that she alone, the Immaculate, can bring peace because what is against peace is sin. 
And it is a utopia. It is illusory. It is a false dream to try to make peace in the world with other religions which encourage sin. The only religion that keeps the Ten Commandments is the Catholic religion. And now we see, very sadly, with a broken heart, even Pope Francis with his encyclical Fratelli Tutti, seeking, like the Jews of the Old Testament, seeking to make peace with the neighboring religions, as if peace could come from below. Peace cannot come from a religion that approves abortion, euthanasia, divorce. It's impossible. Peace comes from God and from the Mother of God. And that is what he says. That's the conclusion. By this encyclical letter, we are instituting a feast so that all may recognize more clearly and venerate more devoutly the merciful and maternal sway of the Mother of God. We are convinced that this feast will help to preserve, strengthen, and prolong that peace among nations, which daily is almost destroyed by recurrent crisis. Is she not a rainbow in the clouds reaching towards God, the pledge of the covenant of peace? Look upon the rainbow and bless him that made it. Surely it is beautiful in its brightness. It encompasses the heaven about with the circle of its glory and the hands of the Most High that have displayed it. I remind you, the rainbow was firstly an image of Our Lady. Now the devil is using it to insult Our Lady by promoting all kind of vices with that sign. Whoever therefore reverences the Queen of Heaven and Earth, and let no one consider himself exempt from that tribute of a grateful and loving soul, let him invoke the most effective of queens, the mediatrix of peace. Let him respect and preserve peace, which is not wickedness unpunished, nor freedom without restraint, but a well-ordered harmony under the will of God to its safeguarding and growth, the gentle urgings and commands of the Virgin Mary impel us. She alone can help us. That's the message of Fatima. That's the message that the Immaculate Heart of our Heavenly Queen is telling us. So, my dear faithful, let us say the rosary, for she alone is the Queen of Peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a much-needed donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. So many souls need to know and love Mary, so as to truly know and love Jesus. For the glory of God and the salvation of souls, please share this talk with others. And may God reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.